Hey everyone, welcome to the final episode of season two of the Magnus podcast. Whether you're just now joining or you've been with us since the beginning, we really appreciate your support. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we have enjoyed recording. Please leave a review, share us with your friends. We have big things coming for season three, so stay tuned. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. College is a bubble. We're here to pop it. The Albertus Magnus Institute is reinventing the academy, offering education that's as free as it is free. Welcome to the Magnus Podcast. With your help, we are liberating the liberal arts. Now, your hosts, John Johnson and Larissa Bianco. Welcome back to the Magnus Podcast. We're very special Christmas tide edition. I'm John Johnson here with Larissa Bianco. Hello, Larissa. Hi, John. Merry Christmas. Now, Merry Christmas and happy feast of the beloved disciple, St. John. That's exciting. And what else is exciting, Larissa? I learned after we hired, I learned so much about you after we hired you. And I'm still glad we hired you. But you and I have the same exact birthday. We do. Which is tomorrow. And this is your last day of being, I guess I shouldn't say, well, you're young enough. I can say it. Your last day of being what? 31? 30. We'll be 31 tomorrow. You'll be 31 tomorrow. And this is my last day of being 40. Wait, of being 39. I'll be 40 tomorrow. Kind of terrifying. My last day in my 30s. What should I do with it? What do you recommend as a 31-year-old lady? Hmm. Well, if it were me, I would go horseback riding. And you live in a really cool place to go horseback riding. So. Oh, that sounds amazing, actually. Except for it's dumping rain uh, all over the countryside right now. But maybe I'll do that. We'll see. I don't know. I, w- I wanted to take my kids ice skating too, but then there's uh that's it's raining. So anyway, do I have a what? Four wheeler. Um, I have a four wheel drive truck. That's about uh, as close. You as should about. put one of your kids in the truck and you get on a horse and you can race your truck and your horse and see which is faster. Now, see, Larissa, you know how to have a good time. You need to talk to my <laughs> wife about planning my next <laughs> birthday party. Maybe I'll I'll put her in touch. That sounds amazing. Okay. That was great uh, Christmas banter as we wake up uh, from the Christmas uh, flood of all things that uh, paralyzed us into, you know, sloth almost, but not really because it's holy leisure. So uh, I will end the awkward banter by introducing our amazing guest today. And this is kind of an off the beaten path guest. Usually we interview people who are, you know, academics teachers for us, published a great book, something like that. But I wanted to talk today to just one of the fellows. And I say just one of the fellows because he's an accomplished man in his own right, a family man. And full disclosure, we were undergraduates together. Okay. So full, full, let's get that out of the way. We, you know, he's not a plant. We knew each other from back in the day. But our guest today, do you want to use your uh, last name, Eric, or you want to just keep it first name? Uh, first name is fine. Okay. Yeah. Let's keep you somewhat anonymous. Our guest today is a fellow named Eric. Hello, Eric. Hey, John. Hey, man. Thanks for doing this. Thank uh, you. Now, I want to ask you, first of all, how did you find the Albertus Menace Institute? Because I don't think it's just because of me i'm not sure i don't even remember you were kind of around from the very beginning for with us how'd you how'd you discover what we were doing because we'd kind of fallen out of touch for years maybe a little bit stayed together on facebook or something you but know how, yeah i i think we would you know text or email back and forth like occasionally and and maybe maybe i saw something on facebook about what you guys were doing Hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably how how I I found out about it. Okay, um, awesome. Now you you obviously like what we're doing because you do a lot of it. You take you take classes from here to there, and it always impresses me. It always edifies me because you're a very you're accomplished businessman. You're a family man, father of four, beautiful wife, beautiful kids, living the dream in Texas. You got to a free a free place to be free, and you still want to be educated in this season of life. And and this is a common story with so many of our fellows. Like you are 
essentially our target uh, market, our target uh, fellow contingency is 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 a lot like you. So just tell the audience a little bit about your story, and I think they'll find it interesting. Yeah, well, um, as you said in your disclosure, you and I were undergraduates at uh, St. Mary's College. Um, I think you graduated in 05, I was 06. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up Catholic um, and just kind of fell out of it in high school and um, essentially went to St. Mary's because it was close to my house. Um, and I was going to, you know, major in business. And, you know, providentially, my first uh, class at St. Mary's was our, uh, you know, Greek thought seminar program with. Oh, yeah. And we read the, the the first reading was was uh, the cave, um, you know Plato's uh, allegory, and um, I had read it. I think I was the only person in my class that did. Everyone else was, you know, it was the first day of school, so you can imagine what they were doing previous to that. Um, and uh, Professor Downey, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he got so fed up with the class because no one was participating where he just kind of basically, basically gave a lecture on it. And, you know, it's not that long of a, a story, right? It's, you know, four or five pages or whatever. And I realized that I picked up absolutely nothing from the way I was reading it. And that mm. that was obviously missing something. And so that was kind of like the first spark um, that, you know, I've, I was a big reader, but I, I had never read until soft philosophical stuff or um anything like that and you know we're reading the Iliad and the odyssey and they're not just stories and there's layers and layers and layers and uh that was kind of my in- introduction to actual learning and that kind of put me on a path i didn't major in philosophy but i think i took you know triple the amount of credits um with with professor downey and you minored in patrick downey I mean, I, I essentially majored in, in, in Downey. Um, <laughs> I, took, I took an extra class every single semester after my first uh, semester. Wow. And they were, they were all uh, classes with Downey. Uh, you know, luckily my, my, my parents allowed me to do that. And, um, you know, so that, that was, uh, that kind of kicked my, uh, my life back into gear in terms of, you know, taking things seriously because, you know, Business degrees, you know, it was great. I, I think I probably did it for the, the networking um, aspect more than anything. And ironically, I, I didn't use any of the networks at all. At St. Mary's, I ended up working for a steel mill in Portland, Oregon uh, for five and a half years, I think, where I met my wife. Um, and then we long distance uh Dated for a year, I moved down to LA to take my current job, um, and then got married, and we both moved to Texas in uh, 2012. That's the American dream, man. And what are you doing for work now? Or just you know, you don't have to name the company, but name the field. Yeah, so uh, we're in international trading. So we buy steel, um, a whole different types of steel. I'm, I'm mainly in oil and gas. Uh, pipe for, for drilling, um, buy it all over the world, also buy it here in the United States and um, sell it to customers here. You're a steel broker. Yeah. And that's yeah. awesome. Okay. And just uh, for those of our audience who don't know, Patrick Downey is a professor at St. Mary's College in the philosophy department, also a senior fellow in the Albertus Magnus Institute, author of Desperately Wicked and author of A Tragic Comedy, which I believe is just now in its second printing. Um, so worth buying those books as well. And he sort of, he pulled you out of the cave as it were. Yeah. No, he, he picked me up and, and threw me out. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was the best thing, frankly, that ever happened to me. And, you know, he, what I found so interesting was that he was in the philosophy department and he was a convert, um, you know, cause I was still kind of grappling with, you know, my my faith and all that stuff um, is it true 
and you know here you're in philosophy and it's the search for truth and you know he kind of gave me the intellectual um background of the faith which i'd never had and i went to you know catholic k through eight um just very poorly catechized um unfortunately yeah as probably most most are and i kind of you know relearned relearned the faith through through downing and um It's a very interesting story. It might similar. I mean, showed up to St. Mary's as a nominal Catholic, I guess, and then took a class with Father Owen Carroll, uh, now retired, also uh, author of the first book we published. Just a great mind and so many for so uh, done so much for so many. But we all have these sort of these first I get the analogy I would use is like the Morpheus to our Neo, like somebody who pulls us out. Um, and it's amazing how many people never experience that or experience it too late in life and live the, you know, go through life living the unexamined. And then you think, well, something really lucky or providential happened to us. And that sort of compels this mission. I know I, I have it in my bones to, that's why we do this whole Institute, right. To give it back, um, to do it as freely as we can and to, um, introduce as many people as we can to wonder uh, and wisdom through this spark of wonder. And it's a great tragedy that so many people go through so much of life, never having wondered. Um, I, I was, I was uh, scrolling through YouTube last night in my, in my post Christmas malaise. And I found this video of Keanu Reeves. And he's talking about how he was just at this party with some teenage girls and the host of the party's like, my girls have never seen the matrix. Tell them what it is. And Reeves says to them, Oh, it's about this guy who uh, wants to know what's real and finds out he's in this virtual world, but then finds out there's a real world apart from that and has this experience, this painful, but heroic experience uh, introduced to the real world. And the teenage girls said to him, well, why? Why, do, why does he want to know what's real? And, and like they didn't, they didn't care. Um, and he was shocked by this, right? And I think it's so easy to, it, and that's the story of the cave, right? It's easier to stay in the light of uh, pretty images on the wall rather than bask in the light of the true sun and see the world of the true forms. And not to say that you or I are, have like experienced this sort of profound enlightenment and you know we are at all times basking in the light of the sun um but but there's at least a desire to move up that is sort of absent so many especially i think in the youngest generation who is completely raised by the screen i mean you were probably you're probably old enough to not have a screen in your life in your earliest days as a young eric is that fair to say yeah i think actually the first cell phone i got was my sophomore year in college Right. Maybe fresh, but you know, it was, it was the flip phone. So exactly. Yeah. So the chains of the cave are a little bit thicker these days and it takes a little more effort to pull them out. And guys like guys like Downey did that for you and for me. And, and now we're trying to return the favor. A lot of objectors to this sort of education. Uh, and this is the number one thing that young people get. You know, if I if I tell a teenager to, you know, hey, go study philosophy, see what it does for you. Their parents are going to object and they're going to object. And fundamentally, that objection goes like this. Well, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? And what would you say? What would you say to somebody who says, what are you going to do with that? Why would you waste your time with this sort of impractical learning? Well, I mean, my parents said the same thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> actually, um, after I had taken, you know, that first class, I remember calling my mom and saying, Hey, you know, I think I've been a major in philosophy. And, <laughs> the coffee know, cup drops out of her hand and shatters on the kitchen floor. Right. Yeah. And, and okay. I think my dad was in, in Asia, uh, on, on a business trip and, you know, she, she, as typical moms do, she's, Oh, you know, that, that's, that's wonderful. You know, just trying to gloss over it and get a little, get more details. And, um, she's like, okay, well, you know, you still have a long way to go. And, um, you know, but 
but that, that's a really interesting idea. And no sooner do I hang up than I get a call from my dad, you know, <laughs> Korea or Japan or something. And, you know, he never, never, ever, ever calls me. And, you know, he, he says, so mom tells me you're going to major in philosophy, huh? I said, well, I'm thinking about it. He's like, well, hey, how about, you know, how about you minor in it? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, get get your business degree. And, um, you know, if, if you want to take some extra classes, that's fine. And uh, so ultimately, I I did major in, uh, in, in business. But, you know, I, I took philosophies as all my electives and I, I took extra classes. And. What I have found, and, and again, the argument goes to you get a business degree at a certain school. You know, it's like if, if you're a lawyer at the Ivy League schools, that's why you go to Ivy League because you get filled into the pipeline. And I think they use the same argument for, for business, especially at St. Mary's and, you know, the Santa Clara's and all that stuff. And I started out working at a steel mill, um, entering orders, and I can assure you that nothing that I learned uh, in my international business degree prepared me on how to do any of that. Right. But what did was, you know, taking philosophy um, and just kind of the logic aspect of it, where it it teaches you how to think. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like your Swiss army knife. Um, if, If you go through these programs, and you actually learn, you know, if, if you can read, you know, The Republic or, you know, Nick McKeon Ethics or any of these things and, you know, grasp 20% of it. I mean, you're, you're well ahead of 99% of the people on earth. And if you can do that, you can do any job out there. And I think, you know, all the things that you read, again, you know, we don't read, read literature anymore, but just being exposed to all these great books and reading about different stories and different people and, you know, people's virtues and vices. Um, it, it, it really, you know, it, it teaches you how to think. And if you know how to think, you can, you can think about anything that, uh, that you get a job doing. That's and- so true. Yeah. And, and I've experienced the same thing. Um, it's sort of an art in itself of generalism, I guess, is the word that, that philosophy would prepare you for. I mean, you run a company, my day job is, is running a company and, uh, I'm not a technician, right? I'm not a specialist. Um, I own a side business. That's, that's, uh, I run a pizza restaurant as well. I, it's a fun thing. It's an investment, but I don't know how to work the POS system. I, 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 I can't take an order to save my life at that place, but I know how to hire the right people who do. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's something about it that's sort of, and, and this is a common theme, right? You, me, we can name a dozen others off the top of our head who are, who are able to think enough to have the right conversations with the right people and see things holistically with this Talos in mind, like what needs to happen ultimately and what needs to happen next and what do we need to do to make that happen? So there's something about philosophy that disposes the mind to this art of generalism, which is more and more, there's more and more business books I find coming out about generalism, right? That, that, that this is kind of a lost art with everybody studying so deeply in the STEM and engineering, computer science, you get people who miss the forest for the trees. We've met them, we've hired them, we might've even fired them, uh, but it's a problem in our day, right? And so- well, let me ask you this. What is the antidote to that problem uh, professionally right, right now? Um, people who can't think holistically, what, what, do you do, what do you do with these people um, besides find nice little niche jobs for them where they're sort of cogs in a machine? It's an, un- an unfortunate life ultimately, right? What's the answer? Good question. I, I you know, I, I don't know. Um, and it, you know, you commented on the the generation coming up now who was, you know, born with a screen um, where any question they ever had, they could just type it in and have it delivered to them in, you know, half a second. You know, kind of, kind of what you guys are about, you know, getting the wonder back 
And, you know, I, I don't know if there's an age where you're just kind of the red pill doesn't work anymore. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think guys like you and, and um, stars from the Institute, getting it to, you know, kids as young as possible and, and parents for that matter. Um, and just trying to nurture and develop uh, your children and your children's friends and your, you know, your, your parents' friends. And, you know, yeah. that, honestly, I, I think that's the only way. I, there's so much stuff out there, as you know, to waste your time with. That's, you know, just the hits of dopamine. Um, right. That you're going to tell someone, hey, why don't you read a book? And talk about it for eight weeks. You know, that that's a really tough sell. <laughs> it is. It is. If you haven't even read a book, you know, I mean, yep. most of these kids have Kindles for Christ's sake. Right. Um, and. Yep. You know, now, and underlining stuff in a book and highlighting and writing notes and looking at themes. And, you know, even if they did read a book, kind of like me, they were never taught how to read and how right. to pick up things. So they're at an extreme disadvantage. So I, I guess start young, start with your kids, you know, start with your friends, spread the word out, you know, kind of just organic growth because I, you know, promote institutions like you guys do where you can go to school and you can enter that environment. Um, Cause you know, these big state schools, I mean, they're just, they're awful. You know, they you come out mindless robots and they, they can't think. And, you know, if, and especially, you know, if they have a, a different point of view, you know, liberal education used to be, you know, competing ideas and the best one won. And now it's if you shut down the one that makes, you know, you offended. And so you never even you never even get to see the merits on the other side because they're never presented. That is such a smart point. Uh, what has been your experience? Uh, you you jumped into the Institute in the deep end swan dive, you know, beautifully into this thing. Uh, all you went all the way, right. You've take, you've taken a bunch of classes with us. What's your experience of the courses themselves? And what would you say to anybody on the fence about joining the fellowship? Uh, I mean, they, they've been, they've been wonderful. Uh, if you have, if you're even slightly thinking about it, I would say do it. Um, yeah, if, if, if you're on the fence or you're even looking at the fence or you can see the fence far off in the distance, go, jump in. Um, if you have any curiosity at all, um, you know, it was great. You, you had Professor Free with, with the Tolkien stuff. Um, I mean, how, how many of us love Tolkien? And yeah. I mean, you talk about the greatest, you know, fiction ever written arguably it and um you know just having like-minded people talk about your favorite book you know it's 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 great and, and all the people on here obviously want to be here so we may not all agree on the same things but we're real willing to you know talk about it yeah what, uh, it would be a lot easier for us to just produce with these faculty members lecturing like PragerU style or something and throw it online in video form, throw it on a paywall, whatever. But what's the benefit in your mind of doing these things live and synchronously with other in discussion? I, I think it, uh, it prompts more discussion, um, you know, and it, it, it probably, it, it'll, it'll allow people who wouldn't normally you know, because you can sit down and watch a five-minute prayer you thing, or you know, Hills, Hillsdale does these these same thing, which I think they're they're copying you, by the way. Yeah, um, it's okay. Also, also. Imitation is the best form of flattery. Yeah, we, no, we've definitely it's, noticed that. Yes. Um, but uh, no, it's you know, we grew up in the seminar style, um, and for for the people who really care about it, they will get to a point where they have a lot of things to say and, and they'll start saying them. Um, and, you know, you hear the teachers say, 
you know, every time they teach a class, they always learn something from their students. And probably the first time you heard it, you just kind of roll your eyes because you think that they're, uh, you know, the the experts and what could they possibly learn from us. But, you know, having been through college and been on these courses, you know, I I truly believe they're they're absolutely sincere. Um, and just having a diversity of, of people reading the same text and coming up with different things and asking different questions and coming up with different connections. And isn't that the beauty of, of a great text is that it speaks to us throughout the ages at an infinite amount of layers, layers upon layers that are inexhaustible. I think that's sort of the marker of a great text. It's one that anybody can talk about and always find something new throughout the ages in a way that brings one to a deeper sense of wonder and a deeper sense of wisdom. I think that's well said. And that can only be done in a corporate setting. Like you have to be reading it together, not in a vacuum. I think that's where a lot of us go wrong, trying to read these things either in a vacuum or trying to read them through, you know, and this is what, if you take your average state school philosophy course, right, you're going to get a textbook uh, that gives you two paragraphs on Aristotle, right? Aristotle was a Greek and he taught Alexander the Great and then he died and and then you walk away from that. Okay, I've touched Aristotle. Well, you haven't, right? And so, yeah, reading them slowly, in depth, line by line, together in a seminar, you know, the seminar model definitely has its its weaknesses. And I think that's why there's a beauty in the way we do it with this hybridized seminar slash lecture format. So the professor give you an hour of lecture and then you break it open together. I think that's kind of the sweet spot. How about you? hundred percent, hundred percent. I, you know, cause ultimately, you know, they, they are the ones who, who have dedicated their lives in whatever particular subject. And, you know, I always found it was much easier getting, all right, get a little bit of a lecture first get your mind thinking and and once they start talking you start remembering things that you read and okay that makes sense well i have a question about this and um, right yeah i i think you're right it it is the sweet spot yep larissa this is the last episode we're taping of the year right of 2022 that is correct you need to don't forget to update that bumper music where he says at the end copyright 2022. I know. <laughs> I think I think I had him do a 23 and a 24 as well. Um crazy. Uh, yeah. Maybe we even need to change that bumper music. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? It's, it's working. It's working. Yeah, it's working. We're uh we're gonna revamp some things in 2023 for season three. So stay tuned. I- can't wait. You're doing such a good job with these things, Larissa. Um, anything you want to ask Eric? Yes, I do. Um, I want to go back to the idea, the topic we were having on specialization, because obviously we all agree that the liberal arts degree and the philosophy degrees, those create thinkers and real people and full humans, right? Um, so then what what do people do when they, the specialists are still critical, right? We need mechanics. We need accountants. We, as the Institute here, we would die without our web developer. (laughs) We need those very specialized people and they're still valuable, of course, to society. So what's the best way for people to get a specialized degree and still get a liberal arts degree? Because, you know, you can't go to a place at Thomas Aquinas and learn to be a carpenter. You have to do outside of the school. So is it get your four-year degree, then go to trade school, try to do both at the same time? Obviously, you can go to trade school and take our courses. But um, what do you think is the way that could be done? And then what does it mean for college that it's hard to do that? Great question. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think if, you know, you, you look at like accounting, Right. Does accounting need to be a four year degree? I don't I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, does a finance have to be a four year degree? I don't think so. Um, obviously, if, if you're in STEM, you know, biology, probably. But there's a lot of stuff that I think, um, you know, they make a lot of money keeping kids and 
very expensive schools for as many years as possible. Um, but I, I would probably say, um, you know, have a liberal arts school and then credits for accounting or, or you know, two, you know, take a two year course afterwards or um, just, I, there, there's so much fluff. Um, and I believe you're a homeschool teacher, right? Yeah. And John, so is your wife. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, and you, you guys have seen the data. I mean, the amount of, you know, wasted time during the day that traditional schools have. I mean, you guys learn much more in a much quicker, um, time frame, And that's why test scores and, you know, the level which these kids are at is so much higher. Um, and, you know, I think it gets worse as you go up. Um, and w- when you get to college, it's, you know, it's it's totally almost a waste of time um, because, you know, you're paying, John, I don't know what, what St. Mary's is at anymore, but, you know, probably close to 50 now. Something 80, like 80 with room and board plus as of last year, and they keep hiking it. $80,000. Yeah. You know. You, and you, you can go to online accounting classes. You know, they teach the same thing. And I, I think ultimately, you know, it's kind of this reputational thing where, you know, hey, we're in the Bay Area. There's a lot of big accounting firms. We can, we can get you hooked in. Um, you and know. they can't. It's a joke, right? Yeah. I mean, look at everybody who just did, you know, business at, well, I mean, any, any college like that, right? They, I mean, after, you know, my time, they would be like recruited to be a teller for Wells Fargo bank or something and make 40 K 40 K a year out the gate. And it's like, Oh, you, you got your business degree, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, and how much are you in debt? I mean, luckily, you know, I, my, my, I thank God every day, my, my parents paid for four years of college. So I had zero debt coming out. Yep. But most of my friends at St. Mary's didn't have that. And, you know, paying off these loans, uh, at a at a teller job for forty thousand dollars, that's ridiculous. Um, it's you know, it, it's just to me if you do the math, it's not it's not worth it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think there, there, there's a space for specific trade schools, not not like you know mechanics and carpenters and plumbers and you know stuff like that. Uh, but also accounting, finance, um, and you know you you've been around enough of uh, these students traveling around to the the schools you endorsed. I mean, you can tell, you know, people who know how to think from people who can, and you know, j- just just the way they hold themselves, you know. Oh yeah, I, I yeah. It, I, if I, I mean, I've. I think I've got like 42 employees across all companies right now. And, you know, for the higher level stuff, I don't even look at, I mean, if if you show me your, you have a business degree, it's like, if you had to go to college for four years to learn how to do business, do you have business being in business? Um, It's, it's, it's definitely a problem, right? So, so I'm definitely inclined. You probably are too, to, to hire somebody who can have a conversation. You can think their way out of various problems without having being trained at every step that helps a lot. Right. Not to say that I only hire people from, you know, our endorsed institutions. I certainly don't. And I've met a lot of fantastic people and have a lot of great employees um, who, who haven't come from those schools necessarily. Some have, but you're right. It's just, um, I think, you know, it's not really, and there's a lot of people like this, like Elon Musk talk about this all the time. Like you don't need to go to college to be an engineer. Um, for instance, you can learn anything right now online for free, essentially. So do it. And and I think, I think the bubble is popping. That's kind of been from the beginning. We were, we were the first ones to say it as far as I know, but this, the college is a bubble that's popping and we're trying to be a little needle to, to pop that bubble. And you see that the ROI is not there. Like, do you see that more and more people waking up to say, well, I'm not going to go into debt $80,000 a year to get the same degree that everybody else has. Uh, they, you know, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, 
and I, I probably don't, you see it more um, with, with your job, hiring people and, and hanging out with, with kind of people coming out of college or that age group. But I mean, I, you know, I talk about it with my, my friends here and, you know, what are we going to do with college? College. Do I want my children to, you know, the university of Texas comes in and they have their day and, you know, they, they get all the big state schools and it's just basically who's your favorite mascot and where your friends are going to go? Uh, because yep. they're not offering anything of, of real substance. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm sure you were too, uh, growing up. Hey, the expectation was you go to college and, you know, my parents' parents, you know, were the, were the GI Bill people. And, you know, yep. they, they got out of World War II and, you know, only like 3% of the population, I think, went to college back then. And then, you know, it, it, the floodgates kind of opened. And so that, that was the expectation. And, that, you know, and you actually had to work at it to get in there. And college was difficult. But as more and more people, you know, start entering it, the standard that there's an inverse relationship on on the standards and what they taught and um, its usefulness. And you know, I, I look at my son. I have son and three daughters, and you know, I'd love him to follow in my footsteps. But if he asked me, you know, do I need to go get a business degree? I'd say absolutely not. Said I would go get you know a, a true liberal arts education and what, what where are we going to go work they'll they'll train you on what they need to do and you'll be able to be trained because you're well educated bingo and you'll be able to be trained quickly and and that's so true and so wise and they say that the undergraduate degree is like yesterday's high school diploma. Like you just have to have it, right? And then the master's degree is now the new bachelor's degree. Okay. Right. I mean, whatever. Um, but it's just, I think well, they were pushing uh, MBAs. MBA, what? I mean, the, the most expensive toilet paper you can buy. MBA is the most expensive toilet paper you can buy. I mean, you know, and they would get it out gosh. Right after their four years of their business degree. And so six years later, they have a certificate that says they're a master of business and they yeah. have a job. I mean, you know, people with MBAs, right, Eric? Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, is there a time and a place for it? You know, with, with the specialized moving up in a company and you've got to learn the finances. Absolutely. But for anyone under the age of 45 or 50, Yep. To have that. I mean, you're a master of nothing. Sorry. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, yeah. To, to walk into an employer, you know, someone interviewing me who had 35 years on the job and I show him my, my MBA. You know, I mean, I, if I were him, I'd laugh. <laughs> so, yeah. you obviously, you know, don't have a risk, you know, reward, uh, you know, stance about you because you spent all this money for something that, you know, says you're a master. And when reality, you have no, no experience whatsoever. Right. Right. Now, now I just want to add a quick proviso. I do know amazing humans with MBAs. And if you're listening to this, you're, you're, I don't hate you. I don't look down upon no, I, you. So uh, I, yeah, right. Right. And so, um, but that said, don't get an MBA if you're listening to this and trying to make up your mind. Um, just don't do it. And I and I, and I've 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 heard people that have gone through you know quote unquote great MBA programs uh, who come out of it saying don't do that. I wish I didn't do that. Um, it's just not. There's no ROI there, and there's no. Um, yeah, there's nothing. There's not much deeper usually. Well, and, and the people that I know that have got them are really good. But the company has paid for them, and the company identified them as saying, right. "We want you, and we are we're, we're willing to pay for this." You know, for whatever return they think they're going to get from it. Um, but I, I think, in general, it's the ROI is is negative. Yeah, I same same here. Awesome. Um, we are a very, I mean, we're a toddler institution. I'd say it's been two full years of the fellowship. 
and uh, three years of existence since we launched. I think four years, maybe since we incorporated. Time's flying by. But one thing that surprised me, Eric, is the sheer amount of people that have been attracted to what we're doing in a way that has really taxed our capacity to say the least like we're trying to do this i'm a i'm a volunteer i spend a couple hours a week for the institute we've got three fantastic part-time employees you guys are all part-time right larissa pretty much like 30 hours a week uh-huh. and we're trying to we're trying to spend plates to serve like 800 what are we at like 810 fellows right now uh 815 maybe and everybody wants to take classes like we announce a class and they fill up um, almost instantly. And we're going as full throttle as we can, but we realize that, you know, we're, we're stuck in this place of trying to either keep up momentum, you know, and keep adding courses, keep adding senior fellows to teach them um, or, you know, lose momentum, but we, we we're trying to scale, right. It's very difficult. So let me just get your outside advice, Eric, you know, are we ahead of our skis? That's that's my question. Like people do not believe that we do what we do with three part-time staff. Uh, it, it, you just you just wouldn't guess it by looking at our offerings and our website and this production and you know seeing the fruits that come out of these courses. Uh, g- give me your two cents. I mean, I'm I'm known. I kind of live ahead of my skis. That's my mo, as you know, as you remember from our days in Vienna together. Um, but what should we do? I mean, give give me your outside perspective, maybe even a business perspective on the future of AMI. I think you keep going. You know, I'm I'm kind of kind of like you in terms of just uh, you know what you want to accomplish and just go and you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, and I know that's not a very sophisticated business plan, but um, you know. If you have good people and you have a good vision, uh, I think that's, you know, 90% of it right there. And um, obviously, you know, expanding uh, the program and and getting the funds that you need to keep this going is is crucial. Um, And, you know, the more people who are signed up and are taking classes or waitlisted, you know, they're going to talk to their friends uh, and they're going to talk to their friend and they're going to know somebody um, that, you know, share your same vision. Um, and, you know, especially something like, like this, um, you're, you're catering to a group of people who absolutely recognize the value of what you're providing, right? Like, out of the 800 people, I don't think there's a lukewarm guy or girl in there that says, oh, you know, I mean, it's it's a cool mission, um, but, you know, I can kind of take it or leave it. I mean, I would assume everyone knows the state of education in America yep. and, and sees the value in this. Um, because, you know, how, how many people, you know, want to take a logic class at 730 at night? who have families and, you know, kids and, and work responsibilities and stuff like that. Um, yep. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it, it's a, I mean, that's why the market, the harvest is uh, abundant, but the laborers are few. I mean, our gap has been obviously, you know, I think our largest donation uh, uh, up until the last six months was 10,000 bucks. Um, our largest donation, our largest single donation this year was 30,000 tremendous blessing, kept our lights on, um, pulled us through, you know, uh, I I won't say a crisis or a cash cliff, but I just did. So, um, it's, it's difficult because, you know, and that's our, our biggest criticism is why are you doing this for free? Why, why are we doing it for free? And the amount of, like you said, the diehards, you know, the, the amount of fellows that are getting something for free. And saying, wow, there's a value here. Here's 25 bucks a month. I mean, that proportionality is just tremendous. Like our conversion rate on freely given donations to the fellows benefiting is you you couldn't ask for anything better. Um, it's really remarkable. That major gifts is a huge gap because I think, you know, everybody, all the family foundations, they have their places they give. 
it's just time, you know, we're, we're improving there, but we have no endowment. We have no, you know, there are organizations in our space that have three to five times their operating budget for the annual operating budget, just stashed away in the bank, you know? And so all they can do is think about how to grow and how to scale, how to improve. We don't have that. Like we are bootstrap hand to mouth. And so, I mean, what do you recommend for, uh, you know, for that, I mean, is that uh, encourage our director of development, Eva, who's going to be listening to this probably, um, is it, is it a lost battle or is it something you just keep up with, keep grinding and, and then everything comes back to you from that? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have much experience in kind of a nonprofit, um, realm of, of what you guys are doing, but what I would say is you're, you're two years old. Um, yep. And, you know, you started basically COVID zero, right? Like, yeah, uh, you know, people lost their jobs, you know, money, money was probably a big issue for a lot of people and, and a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, we've, you've obviously come out through that, um, you know, who knows what next year will we'll bring, but, um, you know, you're two years old and you have the right mission and the the right type of people who are going to help you are going to be attracted to this mission. And I think um, it, it, it's a time deal. Obviously you don't just start out with, you know, a million bucks in the bank because someone saw you on Facebook and said, Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but um, I think as, as that 800 number, you know, hopefully gets to a thousand and then 1500 and 2000. And, um, those people are going to know people, um, who share the same values. And I, I, I think it's just a time game. Um, because again, you know, I, I'm one of the, the, the big believers in this mission and, and see that it is absolutely needed, uh, in our, in our culture, in our families and, you know, everyday life. Um, so, you know, it's important to me, it's important to my family. Um, and I truly believe that you're, you will, as this continues to grow, you are going to get um, kind of the, you know, probably bigger donations and endowments. Um, because, I mean, look at your offerings. You know, I, I, I take some some of those. I've I've taken some of those Hillsdale College classes with just a few of the the writers that that I'm familiar with. But I mean, we have experts on you know Esalen doing Dante. I mean, the guy translated the book. You can't get any more authentic and uh, you know authoritative teaching Dante than Anthony Esalen. And then you have you know Professor Free who as a Tolkien expert. And then you have Courtright and and uh and Arius doing doing Aristotle and, and logic. And I mean you you know going to Harvard is nothing compared to this. You know, I mean you, you guys literally have the best people in America. Um you may have an international guy too, I don't know, but uh teaching courses for free. You know, and I just, I think the product is so good. It, it, it'll, it'll speak for itself. Wow. That is extremely encouraging to hear. Larissa, I think that's, that little clip has got to be, you know, isolated and sent out to the world. Uh, thank you for that, Eric. Um, we, you know, uh, it's very interesting what you say that the demand is, is so ripe and we're doing it so well. And people are responding. I know you've been very supportive um, and thank you for doing this podcast. We are um, approaching Larissa. I just checked the numbers on the great campaign and Christmas hit. I'll show you my screen there. I don't know if you see that mm-hmm. we are, uh, you know, last, it was interesting last year. We did a great campaign, asked for 50 K and somehow pulled it off. This year we're just stalling, stalling, stalling. I mean, it's our our director of development's been doing an amazing job, but I think economy 
um, major gifts. The amount of fellows who have started giving monthly this year has been tremendous. But with that, the major gift wells, I think, are running dry. Eric, we have not discussed this, but we've raised 10% of our great campaign numbers with, uh, what, three days to go. Um, would you like to make a year-end gift to help us get to the uh, to our big number? And if you say no, I'll just edit this part out and pretend like I never asked you. Uh, yes, I will. I, yeah, I, I, was, I was waiting. Uh, I, I wanted to see what uh, what what the numbers were at year end to see. Uh, I mean, how far the, how far the we, goal was. We are sprinting. I mean, Eva's making calls every day. Um, I'm making calls. Larissa is making calls. We got text messages going out. We got the postcards that went out, email campaigns. You know, and um, people are generous, but I don't. I don't know what it is this year. I think it's just the economy. I mean, I took like sixty percent on my stock portfolio hit this year, last year and a half, right? Um, so I feel it. Everybody feels it, um, and we just need a broader base of big support who understand the value of this mission, like you do. So that means a lot, man. Thank you, and sorry for putting you on the spot. I think that's. Uh, I don't know. Bold move, but hey, nothing to lose, right? We've been through it before. No, no, I, I, I think, uh, I think we'll get there. Um, you think we'll get there, Eric? Pretty close. All right, man, that's I exciting. Mean, have some faith here. I have faith. I am not down in the dumps. I would like to. This is kind of a peek behind the AMI curtain. I, I think this institute deserves a full-time executive director. And I think, you know, I think it needs a full-time effort from somebody like me. And uh, I don't think it needs to be me. I think I've kind of done, I've done what I need to do to get this thing going. And it's a beautiful, beautiful work that's serving a lot of people and doing great. And I want to keep advising it in some capacity, but there's better men for this job or women for this job. And so keep your eyes out for somebody like that who wants to really take this thing to the next level. I've, uh, it's interesting, but people have, uh, I have a weird, uh, set of companies that I, that I run. Obviously AMI is not an income. I'm a, I'm a donor myself. I don't make a dime from this thing, but I run a pizza restaurant. I run a data center company, hosting company, web development company, and then a, uh, this school. Right. And when I'm asked why I do these three weird combinations of projects, it's I think of it like I'm a I'm sort of an apocalyptic prepper and I'm always you know I'm always th- so I think pizza restaurant short term needs are taken care of right my family can always go and find a wood fired oven with a uh, with a with a room full of flour stacked to the roof right um data center medium term bread and butter right preparing you know building up the culture through uh providing cancel proof uh, cancel resistant hosting. Okay. But then long-term education. And I think it's like one of those Asians like Lao Tzu or something said, if you, you know, if you want to prepare for the next year by, by rice, if you want to prepare for the next 10 years, plant an orchard, if you want to prepare for the next hundred years, uh, educate your kids, right? Educate. And so that's, is that an actual quote? Uh, not verbatim, but there's something like yeah, it's some it's something like that. I think it's Lao Tzu. I can't remember, but yeah, it is powerful that um, you know the culture is just crumbling around us. And what are we doing? What are we doing? You know, are we just sounding off on Facebook talking about how bad things are? Are we just chit chatting with people about how you know Gavin Newsom is ruining the state of California? And I and I hear this all the time. It's like, what are you doing? And so, you know, I'm proud of this that we can claim, you know, we're we're helping with everything we got, everything in our bones. Larissa, I mean, I I see how hard you work and how hard everybody on the staff works. And we're trying to rebuild this culture to the extent that we can in our little tiny way for the sake of our children and and our children's children. And that's really where the battle has been lost for us as a culture. Western culture has been crumbling because of anti-education. And it will only be saved 
through a counter-revolution in education. And that's why AMI exists. And you see that, and so many of our our, our fellows see it, and, and that's why it's getting the support it's getting. Right. And that's why part of the reason we do keep our courses free, because yep. these people, I mean, there's so many people who wouldn't be able to have access because they already have insane loans. I mean, we're in a college loan crisis. Yep. <laughs> Or a response to that, you know, we can't replace places like St. John's or Thomas Aquinas or Thomas More. But for those who want more or never got that, this is an option. And it's through that education that we can fix the culture. And it's fascinating to see where higher education is going to be in 10, 15 years. And, you know, I, I think another important thing with, with, with you guys is the kind of the false promise of you know, the alumni network at all these big state schools, right. Um, you know, we, we have our own and, you know, frankly, I'll take ours over theirs any day. And, you know, that to me is, is also another um, reason to, you know, get you guys going. Um, Because you talk about a talent pool, you know, what did Buckley say? You know, he'd rather go through the Boston phone book and pick the first 15 people than any politician, you know, ever elected. Um, you know, that to me, that's, that's the same as, you know, getting a business degree at one of these no name, or you know, big name, no name uh, schools where you're just a wheel or cog in the, you know, system. And, you're just in the 30,000 30, uh, business degree that they've done in the last five years. Uh, no, they don't know you. You know, they don't know you. We got, you know, groups like, like us and um, where you can reach out to people and, and you know the quality of, of, of the people because they're here on their own free time. Mm-hmm. Learn about Aristotle at 7.30 at night. You know, so I, I think, again, just another, um, you know, kind of tip in your cap that uh, the, the people here have, and what I've experienced in the classes, I mean, they're, they're, they're great guys. And I can't imagine if you sent someone a message on, on the forum, you know, saying, hey, I'm interested in this. Does anyone have any leads that, that you, you couldn't, couldn't help foster that? Yeah. Uh, amen, man. And that's the beauty of what we're trying to do with the, the the virtual campus. It's meant to be a network in the truest sense and a college in the truest sense. That is, it's collegial. Imagine that. And so, yeah, hire each other, get to know each other, marry each other if you, if you're, if you need that sort of thing in your life. Um, and that's the idea is people actually meet one another, actually cross pollinate, actually talk to one another and interact with their senior fellows, the faculty. I mean, Fellows have access to Anthony Esselin's uh, email. Like you just chat him up, ask him a question as you're reading Dante the summer or something, you know, I mean, where do you, where do you, you can't buy that sort of thing. And so, yeah, you're spot on. And the, the, the alternative is this promise of a network coming out of college, but you're just a number, right? Yeah. 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 No, I'm in you know, Houston and, you know, Texas A&M is big down here, right? And I mean, there's 50,000 people uh, with the with the the Aggie logo walking around, and not to say it's not a great school. And they're, they're it is a great school, yeah, yeah. The A and M does it right in a lot of ways, but yeah, you're right. You know, again, when you go to you know it's a 50,000 person school, and you know you get a business degree or, or you know a marketing degree or a communications degree, and it's just it's the same old thing and you're just a number. Um, and you, you know, you, there's no way you can tell kind of the quality of the candidate through that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. The terrifying thing too, is that, you know, we're obviously tackling higher education with AMI, but this starts in kindergarten. Kindergartners don't matter. They're just like what John said. They're just a cog in the system. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, I mean, you see it. Our culture is just turning kindergartners five and six year olds into whatever they want them to be which is not humans 
who are flourishing. And so we have to enable and enable their parents to give them a better education. You guys home, you guys are homeschooling, Eric. What are you doing? No, no, they're, uh, they're in the local Catholic school. Um, Okay. Nice. Yeah. You know, it's homeschooling is probably not, uh, not for my wife. Um, so, you know, the next best, best thing is, you know, putting them in, in, in a Catholic school and, and I've, I've been happy, um, kind of their emphasis on Catholicism and religion and, um, you know, everyone's going to learn math. Everyone's going to learn how to read. Um, but when I got out of eighth grade, I couldn't pray the rosary. Yep. I didn't know what the rosary was. Yep. You know, I, if, if, if you asked me to defend any core tenet of the faith, I would have looked at you with, with a blank stare. Um, so, you know, I, I like the fact that, that that's a, a priority for them. Um, obviously, it's a priority for us in our household, um, and we talk about it. But, uh, Larissa, kind of like you said, you know, we, we need parents to, like, stand up and not just, you know, take it or, you know, like, oh, you know, that, that's how they, you know, do it. So that that's fine. And, you know, we, we're not to judge and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm much more of the opinion, like, fight for what's true. You know, the truth, the good, and the beautiful. Like, that's, that's why we're alive. Um, and if you can't do that, you know, your children will suffer. And, and you will suffer. Um, so. Amen. Yeah. And we need great guys like you to be, you know, so you're sending your kids to the Catholic school. You're a stakeholder in that school. You're vocal about it. And, and I think a lot of families are really helping move schools in the right direction. We see the tremendous demand for the likes of the Chesterton academies run by our friend, Dale Alquist. And those are popping up out of the woodwork everywhere. And I think a lot of Catholic parents, you know, or just parents of goodwill who want their kids educated are waking up to the value of this traditional education to it from which their, their generation was really deprived. You know, we, like, we got a bad, we got a bad deal. And I think we all want our kids to have a better one. And so that's, that's what we're up to. And that's what you're doing. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Larissa. Yeah. This has been like a perfect season finale because for once we get to just talk to a fellow in the courses uh, who, who can shed light. And, and I think Eric, we, you know, I don't think your account of things with AMI would be that much different from many, many other fellows. Um, I don't think we just picked you out cause you could give us the best raving endorsement. I had no idea that it was going to go in that direction and you really, you really delivered, but I don't think your story is, is unique. Um, and that's that's really encouraging to us. So I want to thank you for your work and for being there for us, and uh, for your support of the institute, and and for for just being a fellow in these classes who's benefiting from them because that's why we do what we do. And hearing your account gives me a tremendous encouragement for the road ahead. Yeah, well, well, thank you for. I mean, I was honored and uh, to to be asked to be on here. Um, I've never written a book and. Uh, I'm certainly not qualified to talk about much, but um, you know, I'm I'm happy you guys exist, and I I'm happy that you, uh, you know, will continue to flourish. And you know, I I spread the word, and um, I'm sure all the other 800 fellows uh, will do the same. So, th- I mean, the pleasure is mine. Thank you for providing arguably the best education in, in North America for, for free. It's, it's absolutely amazing how you've roped these professors and um, who are masters at their craft to, to teach us. So, I mean, kudos to you. Thanks brother. Yeah, they are amazing. Uh, Larissa, thank you for getting this together. Great season. We're going to take a, we take a month off the podcast, regroup, come back with even more. Um, we've got a lot of big announcements to make in the new year. So stick with us, everybody listening. Uh, there's one particularly big announcement that's going to be a game changer for AMI. 
uh, as long as we can make it in the budget to get to that point, I think you're going to see something. Maybe I could tease it a little bit, but some some major announcements uh, that will be taking effect this fall, the fall academic semester, and that's all I can tease. But um, big things in the pipeline. So thank you for getting us this far, everybody listening. Uh, I, I know many thousands of you do. I think like 30,000, 40,000 downloads last time I checked uh, on these podcasts. So uh, it's amazing. And and what we're doing with your help cannot be overstated. Uh, it's really beautiful to see the support we've gotten, the amount of people interested in the fellowship. Uh, we need more money. So give it to us at magnusinstitute.org slash give. And we are in this for you. And we thank you for everything you've given us. So on behalf of Larissa Bianco, all our staff, and by all, I mean, Eva and Nicole, and, and many fellows who make everything that we do possible. Thank you for your great generosity and support of us. I especially want to thank the anonymously last named Eric. Uh, you're a good man, good friend of the Institute. And this has been an amazing season finale. So thank you, Eric, for your, for your help. Uh, anything you want to plug as we go here? Um, no, just, yeah, I know the AMI keep giving them up. They need it. We need awesome. Culture needs it. Amen. All right. For our kids and for your kids guys, thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Happy feast of St. John and happy new year. And Larissa, happy birthday to you tomorrow. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. We have the same birthday. Crazy. That decade apart, same birthday. All right. Guys, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Adios. The Magnus Podcast is a production of the Albertus Magnus Institute, Incorporated. To learn more, way more, by becoming a fellow today, visit magnusinstitute.org. Copyright 2022, Albertus Magnus Institute, Incorporated. All rights reserved.